0: Network analysis, human network analysis, is an analytical technique that identifies the influence and importance of actors within a human network. That's kind of our one sentence. It's, it's going to be in the rapid revision of 3-57 when they, when they publish that out of proponent. But it is an analytical technique that identifies the relative importance and influence of, of actors within a human network.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 1CA Podcast. My name is Sean Acosta, and I'll be your host today. Today, I'm joined by Captain Josh Bedingfield. Captain Bedingfield joined the Army in 2010 as an infantry officer. In 2017, he attended civil affairs qualification course at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and then was assigned to the 92nd Civil Affairs Battalion, where he served as a team leader and deployed to Latvia. Upon successful completion of his team leader time, he moved over to the CMOC and deployed as the regional SIMC uh, to SOC Europe. Following that assignment, he sought out the position and was assigned to the 92nd Human Network Analysis Cell as the uh, HA chief. Uh, Captain Bedingfield has an undergraduate degree, uh, Bachelor of Arts in English Literature from the University of Oklahoma. And he is currently attending ILE at CGSC. Captain B- Bettingfield, welcome to the 1CA podcast, and thanks for joining us today.
0: I'm happy to be here. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to
1: talk to you today. Absolutely. So we brought you on today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, your previous assignment as the Human Network Analysis Chief for the 92nd and some of the work that you did there and uh, kind of establishing that uh, for the Civil Affairs Regiment. Uh, but prior to that, I'd just like to ask you what what brought you over to civil affairs, or what piqued your interest.
0: Um, what piqued my interest? Uh, when I uh, I, was, I was serving as a as a infantry officer down at Fort Benning, running a schoolhouse for tradoc, for National Guard Bureau down there, and I saw a CAD, a call to active duty memo from HRC said we're looking for smart folks to come over to civil affairs. Uh. Genuinely had no idea what civil affairs was. Um, went to selection, met some of the smartest, most motivated young soldiers I've had an opportunity to serve with, was thoroughly impressed by the cadre, was opportunistic enough to be selected. And uh, I can very sincerely and honestly say that it has been one of the most rewarding five, five years of my career. It's been, a, it's been a ton of fun, a great opportunity to tackle some interesting problem sets and be innovative and creative and how we, um, you know, field our, our highly skilled and limited, limited resources to generate some big, big scale effects, uh, in support of our national defense objectives. So, um, I'm happy with the decision. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of those things we're going to uh, talk about those unique skill sets is, is the H portion. So, uh, you know, we have a pretty broad audience here, not just civil affairs guys and gals, but uh, from across the interagency. So let's start out, I think, by explaining uh, what human network analysis is.
0: Unfortunately, the original question, like what is HA, is honestly one of the most important ones I think we're going to discuss today because um, giving the answer requires a, a small amount of context for how we derived the, the solution that we generated, um, out of the 92nd, uh, this past year and a half. So human network analysis is a term that only shows up one time in our, our, our driving doctrine FM3-57. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's mentioned as a, as a task that is assigned to a regional civil military support element, um, that calls for them to, uh, that calls for them to, to understand the relationship of networks in support of preparation of the environment, it does not show up at any other point in our doctrine. Uh, this was something that we noticed pretty quickly when I took the the, the position out there, the 92nd. So uh, we'll talk how we reached the conclusion that I'm going to present right now. But we came to the to the th- through a pretty significant process, um, about a two month effort uh, in cooperation with some partners that we'll we'll go into in a little bit. That network analysis, human network analysis is an analytical technique that identifies the influence and importance of actors within a human network. That's kind of our one sentence. It's it's going to be in the rapid revision of 3-57 when they, when they publish that out of proponent. But it is an analytical technique that identifies the relative importance and influence of, of actors within a human network.
1: So you mentioned that it only shows up once in uh, in our doctrine. However, another term that does show up several times uh, and at one time was a, you know, what we used to refer to as a core task of civil information management. Uh, so how are those two different, um, you know, and how are they intertwined?
0: So um, civil information management, I think, has a couple of uh, notable definitions running around. Uh, it, the the two terms are very in, intrinsically linked. Um, even even in the staff section that I was I was I was charged with uh, supervising at the early 92nd, the previous definition of it was the civil information management chief. Um, we changed that that designation uh, about a year and a half ago to the human network analysis chief, but the cell maintained a responsibility and maintains a responsibility as the civil information management uh, go to. For, for the battalion, and then for the brigade at, at, at Echelon. Um, civil information management, simple thing is processing, collating, analyzing civil information. Where the two tasks support one another is HA provides us a framework to understand the relationships that are present in that civil information. So if civil information management is a big a big circle, right, then H&A would fall partially inside of that circle as a technique that supports the overall technique uh, or overall activity of understanding the civil information of a given operational environment. Then it falls a little bit outside of it because it also directly supports some other key staff functions in the various outputs that the the, the activity provides a team and and a company.
1: The key takeaway there for me, when I hear that and I think about the two, is is what you said. Uh, you know, I think of civil information management as a process, whereas HA is that tool or framework, like you said, that analyzes the data that that uh, teams are are collecting on the ground, and um, it really provides like a, a tangible output for, um, uh, I guess. Targeting, for lack of a better word, but non-kinetic, obviously, targeting uh, or network engagement, right? Mapping out those networks so you can then engage with them uh, to achieve effects on behalf of the U.S. government. Um, So you kind of alluded to it, but can you briefly explain how you kind of became involved in human network analysis? Was this something as like a, uh, a team leader or while you're sitting in the CMOC, you're like, hey, this is something... I think we need to latch on to, or was it uh, something outside of that?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, it. My motivation for seeking an opportunity to kind of pr- pro- provide something to the conversation is that there, there are a couple of things in the civil affairs profession that I, it is my opinion, you know, and uh, that we don't have a firm, a firm understanding of right across across the force across active duty across the reserves across the marine corps civil affairs component right if you if you walk into a room and you ask i i had anyways that if you walked into a room and you asked five civil affairs officers and then what is human network analysis you get seven answers and that is not something that i was very accustomed to coming from the infantry if you ask an infantryman you know what is this activity that you conduct a raid an ambush um a company attack you're going to get the same answer regardless of who you ask it's a it's a, it's a well-defined well understood shared understanding of what that is And we didn't have that for human network analysis so when i knew that i needed to get up to battalion and um and support the staff functions uh at, at that at that level i thought that it would be a good opportunity to to see if i could crack crack the egg um a lot of people were saying that it was important and a lot of people, I mean, it, it, is, it is identified as one of the core tasks, the key tasks of the 95th Civil Affairs Brigade. They say we do four things and one of those things is conduct human network analysis. But I don't, I didn't think that we had a firm understanding both on how to do it at the user level, at the, at the unit of action level, but also at the commander level, right? They would say, go conduct human network analysis. I don't feel like there was a firm understanding at that level. Of what the expected output of that activity was. So we had a lot of people running around saying, I'm doing good HA. And probably a lot of commanders looking at me and saying, That looks that looks right. But the next time they would see it, it would look different. And it still kind of looked right. And I don't I I saw that as an opportunity.
1: The most well, I'd say it's uh it's definitely I'm kind of I'm conflicted here because I want to say that uh, I guess analyzing this, the data that we collect from civil reconnaissance if it's not done appropriately through H A, then you don't understand the environment that you're in right and if you don't understand the environment then you don't understand the problems that within it and you're spinning your wheels any any actions that you take aren't really actually going to achieve any effects that um, actually assist the U.S. government uh, so I, I think that some of the framework that we have doctrinally, Pamecia Scope, while I think it's it's important that we utilize that to kind of get a baseline understanding of like, okay, big picture, here's what's going on. I don't feel like uh, Pamecia Scope was ever meant to be a um, implemented at like a tactical level. It seems to be a more national level to kind of put things into a box, whereas this human network analysis actually provides an output that teams can then gather that information and data, you know, collate it, do all these things, and then use this h framework to analyze it. And then from there, you know, make actual, engage those networks that they've uh, identified to actually achieve effects. And and, I, and I'm 100% with you. I think the term's been thrown around quite a bit, but I'm not sure that we've ever actually codified like a definition of what it is and uh, what those outputs should be until probably within the last uh, year and a half or so, two years. So. Um, you know, and a lot of that was because of you and the work you and your teammates did. So that's kind of where I want to shift the conversation to the H&A program in the 95th. Uh, so how did it kind of evolve to what it is today? So what was um, what were the steps you took once you became that H&A uh, chief and then identified this sh- issue? Yeah, so
0: this is a good opportunity to kind of throw in you had mentioned my team uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna start talking about some actions uh and i want i want to make sure the audience understands that the 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 results that we achieved and the program that we built would not have been possible without like i mentioned earlier you know i had the the NCOIC that I had working with me i had two there was a changeover midway uh actually was my team sergeant on a team kind of my spirit animal guy's one of the best NCOs. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name because he's a he's a little private, but uh, he'll know who who's talking about. Uh, absolutely critical to the to the effort. I had some stellar E412 Yankee geospatial analysts that put on their gumby pants for about a year long ride, delving into a, a new territory that wasn't clearly defined in either their their doctrine or our doctrine, and they built some really fantastic contributions to the program, and then we had some substantive input from TRADOC G2. And I'm going to get to them here in a second. So um, how did the HA program, like what did we do, right? So we we got there, and my NCYC and I, we sat down, and the very first thing we did was we read we read the MET, the Mission Essential Task for the Brigade for Conduct Human Network Analysis, right? The, the boss says, brigade commander said, this is important. He gave us a MET. That's what we're getting validated against. And as I was reading through it and comparing it to the 350-1 regulation on, you know, what the training was was what, what training was supposed to be enabling those critical tasks to be executed. There was a significant disconnect between the outputs of those training models and the the, the key tasks that were being conducted. And there were four words in the met that really kind of shook me. Um, and they were they're known as individual level measures. The the met you know charges a civil affairs team a, C- a CMOC, to evaluate and measure these individual level measures. Um, they're a little technical. They're called eigenvector um, betweenness centrality um, and uh, degree. Pardon me and. Um, they, I had never heard them before, you know, and I'm a bit of a geek, right? So you had mentioned like Pamecia scope being this, this prescriptive methodology of, of managing SIM. I would argue that the prescriptive methodology for managing H and A was link analysis, right? Through either, you know, a, a given program or, or another, right? And I, I had, I had spent three years as a team commander, a year and a half as a team commander thinking I was doing really good H and A because I was building these good link diagrams. And so if you delve past the absence of the word h in 3-5-7, what you find is some interesting words that are used when it's in that first usage, right? It talks about human networks. So if you, we, we looked a little bit further, and 3 57 also mentions the five key tasks of U.S. SOCOM's C- Civil Military Engagement Program. One of those is network engagement. And network engagement has some really interesting words in it as a task. Right? So network engagement charges us. It says it's mainly executed through civil engagement as a part of civil affairs operations. Charges us with engaging critical nodes within a friendly and neutral networks in order to counter threat networks. And I thought, man, that's that's some good language right there. That kind of makes sense to me as, a, as an as an activity that civil affairs seems keenly trained and prepared to conduct. That was it. That was all the information that it had. So I. Just hopped onto the Google and I've in network engagement and out popped this ATP that I've never heard of before. It's ATP 5 tax 0.6 proponency trade off G2 called network engagement. It's a 63 page doctrine. I highly, highly encourage uh, everybody who's interested in what we're talking about here to go and read it. It's one of the more interesting pieces of doctrine that I have read. It's A little technical. And essentially, what it does is it takes a the the phd level activity of social network analysis and understanding how human relationships affect one another at an organizational and personal level and distills it down into a military activity tradoc g2 has been training this at division and brigade levels for 20 years they are they've been doing it for a long time so we invited tradoc g2 down we essentially told them, hey, we're being told to do h I think that you're doing, we think you're doing what they're asking us to do, and we don't know how to do it. So show us how to train it. Show us what you guys use. Did a week-long workshop. Uh, it was the, the sausage-making fest of sausage-making festivals. And what we popped out was a 40-hour program of, program of instruction with a prescriptive methodology for the activity that we could train down to the 38 Bravo and 38 alpha civil affairs team level and supplement for supervisory activities at the, at the CMOC level. Um, and then we got to training. Um, it was that, that sounds like a short story, but that was about six months of work. Um, and I will give kudos to the, to the, to the, to the supervisors that I had working for me, because I essentially asked them for a leash that was about a mile long and said, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt for the the Ark of the Covenant. Um, I don't know where it is. I don't know what it's going to look like when I find it, but I need, I need some maneuver room to figure out what this is so we can enhance some, some team and, and company level outcomes. And they gave me as much room as I could have ever asked for to, to get into that territory, to innovate, to do that. So, uh, um also would not have been possible without that kind of that that freedom of maneuver that I was provided my team and I.
1: Yeah, that that ATP is a, a fantastic read and anybody that hasn't read it should absolutely read it. And then at the very end of it, I think it's on the last page actually, there's like a two to three it's like two paragraphs a little short love letter to CA there saying like hey, this is the branch that is uniquely suited to to do these things. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed reading that one. So you were, you were talking about these gaps uh, really in doctrine and the way that we um, kind of looked at H&A or thought about it. So could you kind of identify or discuss some of those in, in greater depth about what those gaps were that that you identified when you stepped in this position or maybe maybe you found them prior to uh, becoming the h and chief?
0: yeah, so uh, we've, I've actually mentioned two of the biggest ones that the, 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 the gaps were first and foremost, that we lacked a common vocabulary. So when you're discussing civil information, we're talking about, you know, myriad operational environments, you know dozens upon dozens of countries with unique considerations and operational variables at play. But that information should, right? Capital S should be be capable of co- being codified and 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 communicated against with a common vocabulary. Um, so, so that kind of ties in to like point one alpha, which is that two civil affairs teams didn't have a common understanding of what the task was. They didn't know what was expected of them when their company commander or cmox said, Cat211 go forth and conduct H a in your target country. So they didn't know what the activity was or the output was. and at the command echelon, they didn't really know what to expect as the output. so there was a pretty diverse range of responses. Um, and we all, we just put all of those bins, all, all of those responses into the bin of h a. Um, so that was kind of the first gap we found was that we just, we lacked a common understanding of the activity in terms of inputs and outputs. Uh, we lacked a common understanding of how those inputs and outputs fed other complementary and supplementary and corollary staff processes at the training and operational level. And, uh, second most is that we just didn't have a codified recognized program of instruction to train it. So when we got civil information management training before my first rotation, we got a week long course of instruction that had you know thirteen or fourteen subjects in it. And at one point in time, they said, "Hey, human network analysis." Uh, and I got I got shown how to use Palantir, right, to build a link analysis chart. And I was a geek. I, I'm I'm we my team and I got real good at Palantir, thinking we were doing really good H and A, but we never really saw any substantive impact. From the activity we thought we were conducting, right? We thought we were doing good HNA, and it was because when I looked down the road and you know Cat Two One Four was doing something totally different. You know, it's that it's that thing where we're just we were all doing something that kind of maybe looked like the thing, and maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. But you know, coming from from Tradoc myself, running a schoolhouse for a few years, there's there's just a better way to do that. Right. There's a better way to equip a team to conduct an activity with an expected output. And that's that's what we sought to do. Formalize the vocabulary, generate shared understanding at the unit of action and command level, and then provide a prescriptive tool that says this is how you frame the information. Now, I will say that when we built that tool, we built it for a UCOM problem set because that was our area of responsibility. And that framework will change. If you change it over to a you know a SOC South or a SOC PAC framework. Um, but the methodology that we found and we and we built in cooperation with Tradoc G2 is is it's universal. Um and we've we've deployed it across all the battalions out there at the 95th. We've actually had some reserve CA sit in on the class. And we haven't found an instance yet where this methodology and the prescriptive technique doesn't fit whatever operational environment a team or a company finds itself in. So those are the gaps. And that, and, 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 you know, the, the other one, the only lot, the last one being, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to set a met that says, Hey, this is how you're going to get validated. We've got to train against it. So we had to make sure that the training fit an outcome of preparing a, a team and company to validate against that at whatever their validation exercise was.
1: So you've mentioned, uh, I think originally you mentioned that the, the only um, location that HNA was annotated in Doctrine was tied to a regional sensei, which would be uh, a CMOC or a company headquarters level, right? And then we've been talking about training uh, CATs. So what, what uh, who or at what echelon should uh, units be conducting HNA? Is that across the board or is there a specific one that might be better suited for this?
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to your question from kind of a value proposition angle, right? So this is we, we haven't really nailed this down yet. Uh, the technique and, and, and methodology is is young. It's very young uh, in the branch. So there's an enormous amount of information we're gonna glean over the over the coming you know three months about where the where the value proposition actually lies and who should. You know, capital S should be responsible for conducting it. So, I'll provide you my opinion on where the value proposition of the activity is. Um, To frame this opinion, I'm going to provide this, right? So, human network analysis is looking at human networks, right? That consists of information pretty limited to humans, organizations, locations, events, and resources. And how the relationships between each of those types of nodes in a network uh, frames the the context of the current situation in an operational environment. So you mentioned that there's this ode to civil affairs in ATP 5.0.6. And the reason there's that ode is because ATP 5.0.6 recognizes that some of the most valuable information you can glean in this activity is, is gleaned from... Actual physical face-to-face interactions with people in a, in a target environment. There is no better vehicle in the DOD, right, in a, in a Title X realm to have those interactions than civil affairs teams, right? They, they enjoy great freedom of maneuver, um, and they're, they're highly trained and highly capable to go out and gather information about how human networks interact with each other. So we kind of see, I I kind of see the civil affairs team as the window into what we are not able to glean through a technological approach, the internet or open source information, publicly available information, right? Closed reporting, green side, red side information, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to get it without having a team on the ground. And it's arguably the most valuable because it's the most contextual. The team is then going to be able to frame how those relationships between those nodes actually kind of play out. And furthermore, the other critical task that the team provides is they're going to be able to categorize those nodes. Right. So one of those common vocabularies we found and you can't really do without the team on the ground is categorizing a node as either friendly, neutral, threat or unknown, Um, which is pretty key. When we start seeing, you know, inter intra-country and intra-region networks interacting with each other and also start placing friendly US government partner force players in that human network because it's it's all very enmeshed. So a team is going out and gathering information essentially. They're then going to input it into this prescribed methodology, this, this, this information tool that we built. The CMOC or the regional civil military support element, depending on what authorities you're deploying under, they're going to collate that information, right? They're going to look at, say, you know, a Baltic region, because a network in Latvia is 100% going to see crossover with networks in Estonia and Lithuania and dozens of other countries in, in UCOM, And I don't need the team in Latvia concerned with that, right? I need the regional team looking at a big picture on how those human networks are formed and regional opportunities within them. Um, they're also you know, designed to drive civil military operations. So that, that, that's where we need to be doing the majority of the analysis at. The team goes out and gathers the information and then the regional civil military support element by design of their purview and, re- and, and sphere of responsibility in my opinion, should be the ones churning through that information through this prescriptive tool and generating and illuminating operational opportunities for the team to go engage. Good teams, in my opinion, here's my only aside, right? Like that's kind of like the, the 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 minimum entry requirement, right? That's like your 60 points per PT event, right? Go out and get good information, good job, civil affairs team, analyze the information, good job, regional civil military support element, or CMOC. But a good team. The, the, the methodology we built and the training we built provides that team with all the resources that they need to conduct the analysis at the team level, at a very micro level, looking at micro, like smaller than whole networks, um, and provides them a framework to understand what the outputs of that analysis is and what sort of operational opportunities present themselves provided the results. Um, so in my opinion, the, the shoulds are cat goes out and gathers information frames the understanding for the regional civil mode support el- element or cmoc cmoc turns the butter and spits out some cream to go you know say hey hey here's your opportunity good civil affairs team they're turning their own information and identifying their opportunities at the user level
1: yeah so that what you what you said just kind of uh, this it made me reflect on some conversations i've had in the past when i was an instructor uh Sitting around the water cooler, if you will, uh, about where do we need to go along a couple of different ways, and I think I think we're we're starting to evolve in that way. One would be, um, do we need different MOSs within civil affairs? And if you're not privy to it, I, I think there's—I'm sure you are—but there's some uh, work being done. It's up at the Department of Army G1, I believe, about the MOS change for active duty CA. Uh, but there's always there was always a discussion. Do we need like a an anal, an analyst, if you will, um, not like an 18 Fox equivalent or whatever? And there was it was going back and forth, right? Do we need a guy that's just dedicated to this? And and I kind of venture to say no. The answer is no. I don't I don't know that we do. And the flip side of that conversation would always, well, do we need some type of advanced skills course in order to train this? And I think the answer is yes in some ways, but I think you guys have cracked the nut with, with that, um, you know, training it internally to the battalion or the brigade, Um, you know, maybe in the future it can be expanded out, but I think that, uh, you know, training a guy that is his, his or her sole purpose is HNA. My personal opinion would be that it it detracts from the perspective that you gain as a generalist of being, uh, being able to see, all of that, um, you know, whereas if you just dive into this one analytical framework and analyzing that all the time, then, you know, if you're looking for red Corvettes, everything's a red Corvette at that point. So, um, yeah. We'll return to the podcast after a quick note from one of our sponsors.
2: Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing or plans to do all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. The Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com.
1: And so on that note, I would say all this analysis that we just talked about, how does those outputs and developing these networks and then engaging them, you know, how does that benefit commanders? Whether that commander is a stock forward commander, uh, a TSOC commander, or the GCC, what, what is it that this analysis is benefiting or providing to them that uh, had we not cracked this nut or how had you and your team not been able to develop this POI that we may be lacking on still?
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that this that the conversation is kind of evolving in this way because it's it's I, I feel like we're building a good pyramid here. So the 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 training we built, right, it provides six it provides a prescript, prescriptive methodology to conduct the activity, but it also it breaks out into into six unique techniques that, that are outlined in great detail in, in the ATP five tech zero dot six. Now that we generated a common framework of what that output is, right? You can kind of bin bend, bend those six techniques into five techniques. And then, and then one other technique. Um, so the five techniques that we're talking about: um, you have organization mapping, you have you know uh, link link analysis, you have network template analysis, function analysis, um, cog analysis. Those are all great tools that I highly encourage civil affairs teams, NCOs, and officers to to just get smart on, right? The the uh, the 95th is running great training right now. We've integrated it over into the into the schoolhouse. Uh, I think we've run like three iterations of it for like brand new 38 alpha, 38 Bravo's. We specifically designed the the methodology to be understandable at a at a at a new entry level civil affairs soldier level. Um, those outputs are inherently subjective, right? So we were doing Goody Link analysis in the force, um, but I'll tell you a story, and it might ring true for some of our audience. Right? You 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 go out and you go to the to the to the shop, and you identify this human network out there, and you're the only person that's ever been there. Your team has seen things that nobody else has seen, and you generate this link diagram, and then you circle one of the dudes in this red circle, and you're like, Sir or ma'am, this is this is the operational opportunity right here right? This person provides us the opportunity. And then the boss kind of sits back in his chair and says, ah, I don't really like that one. Why don't you go talk to Linda, right? Over there on the right. And you're like, you have, and, and what you kind of want to say is, nobody knows what I know, but the problem with it, what with it is, is that your analysis is, is subjective, right? Maybe the commander knows something you don't know. Maybe the two who, who reclamed your recommendation, know something that you don't know, right? It's just a kind of a barrage of these subjective opinions on the relative importance and influence and operational opportunities that are present within human networks. Um, I, I argue, and I, I, I trained this when I was running the training, right, that if you're doing good HA, you are integrating it all the way up to a social network analysis level. And that's good because it is relatively more objective, right? Data analysis, social network analysis is a data analysis field of study and activity. There's no such thing as truly objective data because we have to prescribe it and and, and categorize data and in, in things and offer our own human understanding of what that stuff means. So it, it, there's a measure of subjectivity to it, but we are getting closer to truly understanding that, right? So I I, I like to look at look at what is what is. What's the benefit, right? Civil affairs is designed to inform the commander on the operational opportunities uh, in, in the civil component. What better way to do that than being able to walk into a meeting and say, hey, that guy that I circled in red, I can quantifiably tell you why he is important. And furthermore, I can quantifiably show you what certain actions will result in in this human network regarding his or her relative importance and influence in that network. If we build a relationship here, this is how much it changes. If we sever a relationship here, this is what we can expect to see in terms of people stepping up into a vacuum of authority. Um, It it gets us into this realm where I think it equips the teams with a little bit more confidence in their analysis. And I think that it also provides a commander looking at Oh, like they're, they're, they're not just looking at, you know, lines and pictures on a screen. They're saying, oh my gosh, there's numbers behind this. There's a there's there's some academic level work here. This team has really done their homework. Um, in our experience, we've we've done a couple of conus based operational support implementations of this methodology. We saw some significant differences at the at the at the decision maker level, the key stakeholder level when we presented them the results of social network analysis, what I define as good h and um, You know, it was a little bit less apprehension in understanding that. And I think furthermore, too, when you start talking about predictive methodologies, which SNA is, right, to provide a measure of predict- predictability, you, you enhance your ability to understand operational risk. You enhance your ability to understand the value proposition of the allocation of your limited resources. Uh, you start being able to generate, you know, like, Comprehensive operations that have substantive impact in the human domain, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that a technique that served us well in a you know counter VEO environment, which was link analysis, which we've seen some great results from, uh, marries itself over into the town of of uh, you know insert town here right Riga. Right. Where you just have a bunch of regular folks walking around having relationships with one another. Link analysis isn't going to get us there as well. So what's the benefit to commanders? I think that it informs them more holistically. I think that it gives them an accurate depiction, you know, better than the other five methodologies do. And here's the kicker, right? It's not just the commander. It's the commanders, right? Because we're in a global environment right now. UCOM has specific threats. PACOM has specific threats. But I don't think anybody in the audience would be surprised uh, with the idea that threats are global, right? And you have threat actors present in regions that they're not based out of. So imagine a scenario where a team in UCOM is performing human network analysis, common to the way a team in PACOM is doing it. And now we have common information that is not just informing the commander in SOCUR, or come about how those networks are, are engaging, but also how information that is being gathered in PACOM has an opportunity to influence that, right? Which kind of gets in the realm of the theater, civil-military support element, and how those, those correlate, right? Um, but I, I think there's enormous benefit in it. Um, and I think that that benefit only gets bigger as you as you go up in
1: echelon. So I, I kind of want to just uh, step back a little bit. Uh, you were talking about this being objective uh, and being able to kind of or a more objective um framework for this you know and you're talking about this the centrality of nodes and you used a term earlier uh that i'd kind of like you to elaborate on a little bit more it's a it's a pretty technical term um and you use it to describe this centrality uh of these nodes so uh could you elaborate on that a little bit more
0: yeah so centrality so centrality is one of those four individual level measures we were talking about right so here's here's kind of here's here's two minutes of of the course right so between this is uh it 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 measures the extent that a person in a network is connecting otherwise unconnected folks right so if you have you know a platoon of of grandmas right playing their bridge game and all of them are, are closeted, they don't really talk to anybody except for this one grandma who roams the network, right? And knows everybody else, that grandma is connecting that bridge group who is otherwise unconnected to the neighborhood to the neighborhood. You have uh, closeness, which I, I misspoke on earlier. I, I called it centrality. It's a Freudian slip on my part. Uh, it, it That one's measuring how many steps away uh, somebody in a network is from other people, right? It's seven deg- six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? How many how many connections do I need to make on average to get from a node to every other node in that network? Uh, then you have degree, which is just a popularity contest. How many people do you know, right? Uh, one thing that we talk about in this methodology is that these relationships have to be tangible that you're measuring. Like it's got to be a real thing, not a social media like uh, or a Facebook friend. And then eigenvector, which is, which is, I think one would argue in the ATP is kind of like the coup de gras metric is um, nodes with high degree, right? People who know a lot of people who are connected to other people who know a lot of people, right? It's like the, the click in high school, right? Where you have those five folks and they, amongst those five folks, they all know everybody. Those guys would have high eigenvector. What does this all mean at the user level? Uh, I, I give you Game of Thrones, right? Walk into any any Comic Con or any you know, group of folks who watched or read the the series and ask them who the most important guy or gal in that in that closed environment is. You're gonna get common answers, but you're gonna be getting it from a from a subjective understanding, right? You're gonna get one 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 person telling you that Sansa is the most important because of XYZ. You're gonna get one person saying Tyrion's most important because of XYZ. And then somebody else is going to come in with, you know, saying that Littlefinger was the key to everything, right? If you run social network analysis on Game of Thrones, it throws all of that subjectivity out of the window, provides you some quantifiable metrics on who actually holds influence within that network. And it points you to who is most important based off of the metrics that you have provided, right? You want to know who's most important within, you know, House Tyrion or House Lannister, pardon me. It can provide that for you. I don't know who's most important in the whole thing? It can provide that for you. It can show you what happens if you know one of the key players passed away at a given battle that they survived, right? Or if they were no, no longer a player on the board. Or if you inserted a new player on the board and built relationships between other nodes, what happens to those metrics on the other nodes? So think about that from an operational perspective. These measures are the metrics that are being evaluated in social network analysis, and that's where we're getting to that objective understanding because it's a math problem. Math doesn't care about your feelings. It doesn't care about anything other than how you're codifying the information. So as long as we are codifying it in a like way, right, then we've reached, I would argue, the most objective understanding that we can have on on where the operation op- operational opportunities lie um, and where our risk is.
1: I gotta ask, because I know the audience is gonna be wondering now who is the most important person in Game of Thrones.
0: Across all there's two parts to this, all right? So across all metrics, Tyrion is the most important, right? Certain social network analysis, everybody's gonna go out and Google this and they're gonna be like, oh, I found this chart that says SANS is most important. That's awesome. Right? The really interesting question that I ask all of my students is. So Tyrion's up top on all of them, right? And then I say, hey, what do you guys think happens if Tyrion goes away, right? Most people will assume that everybody in the number two slot just like bumps up one. That's the really cool thing about this academic approach to understanding this, the human networks, is that that is not true, right? It's just quantifiably not true, right? So um, on, on, for example, on degree, right? Tyrion knows the most folks in the the realm, right? And then number two is Jon. But if you get rid of Tyrion, interestingly, Jon doesn't become number one, right? Sansa does. So there's a lot going on behind the curtain in this methodology, and that's good, right? There's some very large, very intelligent, large brain folks out in academia who get PhD after PhD in this. And one thing I, I, I believe the Army does well uh, most of the time, if it can take these complex techniques and boil it down to something that in our case, a 38 Alpha and a 38 Bravo, who might not be the most computer savvy folks in the world, and they can conduct the activity and they can walk into their commander's office and said, I know where the operational opportunity lies. I know what the risk is um and i know that this is what happens if we conduct this given operate you know oaa this this operation activity or or action i think mean, that's an awesome thing to be able to do i didn't have that tool when i was a team commander and i i wish i wish that i had because i think i might have been able to get some more stakeholder buy-in on some of my more uh i'm going to call them wild ideas
1: this has all been I mean, I love this conversation. I could sit here and talk for hours, but we won't because I'm sure the audience will get tired of it at some point. But if anybody does want to find out more about it, or they want to get some of this training, whether that is, uh, you know, an active duty guy uh, or gal, or a reserve component guy or gal, where, where can they turn to? I'm sure, obviously, the H and A cell, at 95th, would be a good starting point. But outside of that, is there any other resources that you could recommend uh, that may help? Uh, you know, guide people along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, right. So the, the the battalions are running training out there. in The ninety fifth. Um, I, I I will. I am comfortable in speaking on behalf of people that I worked with alongside with for for the last year. You want some training? I, I'm I'm positive that directly contacting them will get you get you in the door, or at least provide you some more tangible information about what is happening today in terms of those trainings. We've integrated it into the civil affairs uh, qualification course um, in the, in the soft skills training. So those students are getting 48 hours of training. Intermittently, we're trying to do some train the trainers for the the students out there or the instructors out there. The 95th brigade is running it. but let's, let's say that you don't have access to any of that. So the second I, I'm going to call it the second best, but the guys out there at trade G2 are way smarter than I am. And they've been doing it for longer than we have. Um, they were, I cannot like it's like all caps bold italicized. They were critical in in getting the outcomes that we got. They run a course called ANAP Attack the Network. Um, And uh, last I heard, at the conclusion of our workshop, and then in some in some the the some correspondence afterwards, um, some of the things that we came up with in the workshop they have used to refine the ANAP course. So it's a good course. I know a lot of people who have gone to it. um, I would encourage. Uh, people who don't have access to essentially Fort Bragg to seek out TrayDoc G2. Those guys are great trainers and they're, they're, they're awesome. They're an awesome team to work with. Uh, they, they will better you in this, in this. I I wish that I had like a book that I could tell people about. I think reading is important. Right. Uh, but there's just, if, if you're interested in social network analysis, there's an enormous body of literature on it. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not a loss in your time to just, You know, Google one, find find one that doesn't look crazy and then see if you can chug through it because you just you approach it from it's a big brain activity. There is a methodology out there by, you know, just just get get in contact with one of those those stakeholders and they'll get it to you Um, and then find the opportunity to integrate it. And then bing, bang, boom. Dynamite.
1: Perfect, And as always, if uh, anybody has any questions as you're listening to this podcast, if you go to civilaffairsassos.org uh, on that webpage, you can always email us as well, uh, and we can set you up with the appropriate point of contact. Well, sir, I appreciate the you taking the time to have the conversation with us. Uh, this knowledge is invaluable to uh, our listeners, and especially to the 38 Bravos and Alphas that are out doing God's work across the uh, globe on behalf of uh, the United States and our partners. So thank you for coming on the 1CA podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, best of luck to you at uh, ILE.
0: Thanks, Sean. I enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, it was a good time. I appreciate it. It Good conversation. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely.